Hello and welcome to Founder Views. My name is Costa. I'm the co-founder at Web for Realty, a SaaS company that bootstrapped our business out of my parents' basement with no money and no experience into a fully remote company that has generated millions in revenue. In this podcast, I'll take you through my journey talking about business situations I'm currently going through, thinking about, or just find interesting. My hope is to share my experiences and help other entrepreneurs and business owners along the way. This episode is brought to you by Meet Edgar, the social media scheduling tool that manages itself. I've used a few social media apps and none have been nearly as effective as Meet Edgar. I have a ton of content on my blog that I've posted over the years, and my favorite feature is Edgar's auto variation tool, which automatically scans and pulls new quotes from my existing blog posts and repurposes those posts. It saves me a whole lot of time and helps continuously drive traffic to my website while putting my social media strategy on autopilot. I would definitely suggest it. Go to meetedgar.com to learn more. In this episode, I'm speaking with Tom LaBelt. He's the founder of Smart Brand Marketing and We Market Online Courses. Uh, Tom is a straight up entrepreneur, straight up hustler. His family moved from Poland to the US to escape communism. Uh, He was a serial entrepreneur from a young age. He owned a coffee shop, a record label, uh, was even a top hip hop Polish recording artist. I created a documentary, sold over 5,000 Kindle books, and now runs Smart Brand Marketing, where he primarily helps companies market their online courses. Uh, His company does over seven figures in revenue. Uh, They're fully remote, and to top it off, fully bootstrapped, which you know I love. Uh, This was definitely one of my favorite interviews for sure. Uh, Had a lot in common with Tom, which made for a really good chat. So without further ado, here's my chat with Tom LeBelt. All right, Tom, thank you so much for joining me on the Founder Views podcast. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Amazing. So you have a very unique and inspiring story, I'd say. Can you tell our audience just a bit about yourself, your origin story, and what you're up to today? The origin story, feel like Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, came from uh, Poland when I was nine into the U.S., um, we had like $500 in our pocket. My, uh, my parents worked a lot of part-time jobs, um, lived in my grandma's basement. She was a horrible woman. So not a good experience, but you know, I seen them hustle their way from that basement with no money, um, into their own house that was paid off within seven years. So, you know, it was just, it, it made me realize just how much hard work and focus can do for someone. Um, you know, I, I always, was one of these people that didn't like to lose and didn't like to listen to anyone. So I always knew I'd be in the business in some shape or form. Um, and, and I started pretty early. You know, when I was 16, I had a record store. Um, I couldn't open one by myself, but two of my friends uh, from college, they could. So I rented with them and then I went to a college, uh, went into the music business, did a lot of sales jobs to learn how to sell went back into my own business and moved around the world, filmed a documentary, uh, created some music albums. And here I am now, you know, after all this time. <laughs> so, so a lot to dive into there, but it's something you don't hear every day. Top Polish hip hop artist. Can you tell us a bit about that? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in New York, when uh, some of the music industries uh, companies were dying in New York, I was like, you know what? There's a big enough population, I think over a million people, and then another million or so in Chicago that were Polish. And I was like, you know, I can get into this industry much stronger through that channel. And I never wanted to be famous in the U.S. because then, you know, everyone knows you. But being famous in Poland, it's fine because, you know, in this neighborhood, I'm super famous. And in the next neighborhood, I can walk around and nobody knows me. So it was like the perfect fit for my personality. But yeah, yeah, I, we were, because um, I had a group, even though I was, you know, doing most of the production and, and uh, stuff myself, uh, we did hit, you know, a, like one of the tracks was number one for almost a year on the top uh, hip hop station, the Polish one, you know, in, in the city and then the Polish uh, top TV station from Poland came to do a documentary on us, and that was one of the top watched shows in Poland for a long time. So yeah, I, you know, I got my few minutes of fame. It was it was good. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So just uh, tackling that small niche and, and penetrating it hard. I love it. Um, so what are you up to today? Right now, mostly focusing on marketing online courses, and you know that evolved from a lot of different businesses. But right now. Um, it's something that I'm most excited about and I don't know why, but anytime I mention I'm, you know, doing marketing of online courses at conferences or meetups, just people's ears perk up. It's almost like crypto, you know, except without the bullshit. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's such a hot topic where, you know, it's, it's super interesting, right? Cause I have an SEO company, which I ran for over I don't know, like seven or eight years or maybe nine. Uh, and when I say SEO, the room's always quiet. <laughs> when I say online courses, everyone's like, yeah, yeah. I have one or I want to do one. So, you know, sometimes it's just uh, timing too, right? That's interesting. So so smart brand marketing, is that a, a separate company than we market online courses or do they, are they sort of in tandem? So smart brand marketing is sort of like the anchor, right? And that's where everything leaps, you know. So my podcast, whether I'm doing a conference or doing services, you can find everything through that website. But then I'll have different domains for other businesses, right? So even right now, if you go to wemarketonlinecourses.com, it takes you to a page on smart brand marketing because I find it's better to get the link juice and the SEO juice from my main website instead of creating new ones. But, you know, they still are their own little departments and I have employees separated, you know, working on their own things. But, it's, you know, I, I like keeping things together too as much as possible. Got it. Makes sense. So so how big is your team? You know, it, it varies. Um, I've stopped doing the employing myself quite a while back, um, but we're usually between 15 and 20 people from what I've checked. But my, uh, my two managers, they are able to hire and fire as they please, depending on the tasks we have. So I don't actually speak with all of the employees. And we had almost 40 at one point. And I had no idea until like, you know, like one time I just looked at the, you know, checks that we've been writing. And I was like, oh, yeah, we have a pretty big team now. And then I guess one of the projects finished and one of the managers just fired like 15 <laughs> overnight. So I was like, wow. okay. Yeah, um, I guess when you see that, that payroll expense item, when you're yeah. used to 15 and 40, you're just like, wow. Well, you know, we were making enough money to cover it, but I just, you know, I, I don't even look at it that much. I look like quarterly. Um, but, it, you know, it was just one time I did look. And I was like, what just happened? So I spoke with the manager. I was like, where's this team? And, you know, one of them was like, yeah, it's mine. 
<laughs> and uh, I'm guessing you guys are fully remote? Fully remote, yeah. That was one of the main things, uh, one of the constraints that I set up on this business. Because uh, I always wanted to leave the States again, right? Like, I'm, you know, I have properties and family in the states but it was like always a dream of mine to to make money in the states but live wherever i want to and sometimes that is in the states but not necessarily right so i've lived in almost close to 20 countries um and most of them over like a month and and some three four months you know so i've the last few years i've lived in a lot of spots and and i like it that way like right now, I do stay in Thailand for about six months out of the year, but I still like to hit up U.S., you know, maybe three months in Europe, the other three months, just because, you know, the, the, the weather is nice and different places at different times. You know, the U.S. is great for shopping. It's like the cheapest place for shopping in the world. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's I just like it that way. I, I always hated the cubicle life. Uh, I'm totally with you. My company is fully remote as well. I mean, I wouldn't trade that, you know, the freedom and flexibility and lifestyle for anything in the world. Um, you know, like my team spread out across eight countries right now, uh, most whom I've never met face to face, as you can, um, you know, relate to. Uh, what are some of the ways that you help your team sort of seem less distant and more cohesive as a group? So what we've done is... I've tried to make sure that the managers hire locally as much as possible, you know, so that they can do in-person meetups. So even if I'm not around, you know, they do feel like there's a community, you know, there's, they're, they're a part of something. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, do you get into revenue numbers at all with your company? Uh, you know, we've, we went to seven figures okay. a few times. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's about as close as I get it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, so right now, you, are you in uh, Chiang Mai, Thailand? Is that where you're yeah, sort of situated? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm in Chiang Mai until uh, February. Um, then we're going to head down to Krabi, which is down south by the beach in Thailand for about two, two and a half months with a girlfriend. Uh, then I go to the U.S., and then I don't know. Either I come back here or I go to Europe. I have a conference I'm planning next October in Chiang Mai. It's about online courses. So definitely we'll need to be back for that. Um, I'm thinking about Mexico too. I, I'm hearing it's a really good crowd. My friends keep wanting me to go. So I don't know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Right? Like when we have all these choices, sometimes it's like, do I want to? It's, it's a lot of energy to move too. Yeah, it's a little overwhelming when you have all these options. Uh, so you're, you're very well traveled, clearly lived in over 20 places. Uh, why, why did you pick Chiang Mai as a place to sort of settle down? Have you ever been to Chiang Mai? I haven't, no. Okay, it's one of these places where once you come here and you see, you know, two or 3,000 people just like you working from their laptops, um, super easy life, good weather. Um, fast internet, good food, you know, a lot of these good things, um, a lot of imports, you know, crazy big malls, um, more cafes and coffee shops than in Paris, just, you know, so many different things, you know, and then you leave and for some reason, the only place that you keep thinking about again is Chiang Mai. And I've met so many people like that too, you know, they just can't shake the city off for some reason really that's that's interesting yeah 
it's super interesting yeah and, and that's why it's i usually say i come back for the people but you know like my apartment's great you know i got a car a bike and great internet and everything so affordable i got a cleaning lady i had a cook before until the girlfriend put a stop to that <laughs> i have a i have a laundry lady like everything's taken care of you know and then it's at about a quarter of the price as the u.s because i lived in new york city so you can imagine you know some of the prices i've paid so it, you know like i'm paying for my apartment now pretty much what i paid for a garage back in new york so it's yeah i don't know it's 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 not perfect you know there are a lot of things which will annoy you about this place too but the good outweighs the bad by far interesting very interesting and i was gonna ask about like family life so you, you travel around a lot do you have any kids or is it just a girlfriend um no kids just a girlfriend but you know i have family all over the world um so i have some in in the states in germany and sweden and poland and australia and france so by traveling it, it's it's funny because i'm like the one person that's not living around family ever but yet the family knows me whole family like they don't know each other but they all know me because i've been in every single place and like even now uh last friday i think my cousin from sweden just came to chiang mai so i've been hanging out with her a lot and you know and then she's she's loving it and it's one of these things you know this freedom just gives me opportunities to be actually closer with my family a lot like i took my parents to poland for two months uh last summer and i'm gonna do it again in, in a year and a half um i've yeah it's 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 incredible in some ways i'm like i'm so lucky being able to do that yeah i totally get that just that flexibility you're almost uh you become the anchor in your family i guess that sort of yeah the moving connects, anchor right yeah. <laughs> i'm like the most moving anchor yeah. ever it's hilarious <laughs> all right so let's uh let's switch gears a little bit back onto business so you're an expert in SEO. Um, why are most businesses failing in their SEO efforts, and what should they be doing to see a better ROI in that department? You know, SEO is a little tricky, right? So the problem with SEO is usually the SEO companies. Um, and it's it's the same thing with the course marketing. You know, it's, it's usually, you know, someone that took a course, um, says pay me 400 to 500 bucks a month I will help you get to whatever and they don't do anything because they don't know it right it's SEO is actually quite simple you know in a lot of ways you need to get the technical part right so you know the silo the speed um, the schema uh, there's the tags you know the pictures the the interlinking you got to make sure that the that Google knows exactly what it's what the website's supposed to be and then you know you got to get the backlinks you know that's really the whole thing it, it's you know it's not very hard but it's hard it's like these things right they're simple to do but they're not it's like waking up in the morning at 5 a.m every morning it's simple but it's not because you got to do it every day so with with seo it's the same thing you know it's that consistency and, and yeah you do need to know like how to structure things properly but it's it's not that hard like we have a one of the top services that we sell it's just a one-time off um seo thing and it it improves everyone's rankings that we've ever done it on by a lot and it's a one-time thing it's not a monthly you know because you don't need it most of the time so i don't know it's there's definitely work involved but i, I maybe i've done it for so long where it just seems so easy to me but you know most people don't put in the effort 
into a lot of things and and they hire the wrong companies you know or they you know get content created that that's garbage like i've had clients like that come to me too you know filipinos or indians writing nonsense content and you know hoping it's going to rank you know google sees through that now there's no engagement on shitty content there's you know, it's keyword stuffed. You know, it, it doesn't influence any any buyer to actually do anything, and that's the point of a website. You know, to to have someone come through and lead them through through some kind of a sales conversation to whatever you're selling. That's the whole point of any website. Otherwise, there's no reason being around. Yeah, it makes sense. So, for for someone totally fresh and new on SEO, like what's a good resource or a good place to start or, or you know where should they begin their efforts is it content is it backlinking i mean figure out what you're selling and who you're selling it to that's the first thing right that's the you got to figure out the reason for your website initially and and the best way to start getting sales because that's what we're always looking for is to figure out how to transfer the conversation you're having with an actual client online so, you know, how do I interrupt them? How do I move them to what I'm trying to tell them? How do I point out the problems that they're having in their business? How do I show them my method and that I'm the right person to fix that problem? Um, how to handle the objections? How to ask for the clothes? Like, you know, structure the website in a way that's going to work for you. And every piece of content, anything you're adding onto it, should only be made to support that sales conversation. Right. So if you're blogging and, you know, I've made one or two articles work better for me than, you know, probably 100 or 200 for some of the people I've seen is by writing about the exact problem that every single client that you're having is having and how you would fix that. And a lot of them will be like, holy shit, this is amazing. I can't believe you just told me that. And a lot of them will work with you because of that or they'll message you. But it's just being super focused and strategic with your stuff, you know, and, and the engagement and the sales. Google picks up on that, too. They're like, something is weird here, right? Dude's got a 10-page website, and people are on it for 30 minutes. Hmm. You yeah, know? yeah, that's uh, it's interesting. Great advice, for sure. One more, um, one more thing I'll, I'll add. This is just from testing. Um, we found that if you're going through the content creation route you know so i'm just going to create a lot of pieces of good content and hope i get a lot of organic traffic it takes about 150 articles of 2,000 words or more each until you start seeing that snowball effect where google's like all right now it's time to give them traffic but until that point you might not see almost anything it's, it's super weird it's like around that moment that 150th article you know, and all of them have to be pretty well written too. You'll go from like zero to ten thousand overnight. Wow, wow! So, are you still heavy in, in the on the content side of things, or do you have I'm to not, be nowadays? You uh, don't. Well, so I'm not, but I I do have clients that are. So, um, one of my friends, she is in the diet niche, right? And with diets, you can imagine, right? Recipes and other things you can, you know, put out there a lot. There's a lot of info you can put out. Um, and she went the content heavy route, and she is getting around uh, 300, 400,000 visitors per month. With me, I have a course marketing business. You know, I can only take a couple clients per month, you know, or I'm fully booked already, you know. Uh, and I don't need that. I, I 
find for myself and for a lot of B2B businesses, it's better to create one or two incredible pieces of content. And they're not long because I'm saying I'm, I'm more about delivering the value. So mine are actually no more than like four or 500 words, but they're just super powerful. And those bring me all the clients that I need. Interesting. Love it. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so nowadays, sort of touching on that, you see a lot of, uh, you know, quote unquote, like SEO specialists or like internet marketers and, and just these motivator type people who, who promise the world. And you see a lot of people who buy into these things because, you know, I think we're living in a time where, where people want to see instant results. I like to say that most people out there today, they like to get to the finish line without running the race. You know, which which you and I know hmm. is not the case. There's no secret formula to success. So it's like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's nothing new. I think you know, I've been in this internet game for a while now, and it it was the same way when I started out. You know, same thing: easy riches, easy money. A lot of those guys like don't exist anymore. They haven't stuck around. Um, they were big, you know, hyping people up for a while, and they're gone. Like after two, three years, they were all wiped out. Uh, Seems like there's new ones popping up every day, though, and people are still well, eating it up. Yeah, because, you know, you have a new audience every year, right? So you got to think, like, it's it's always going to be there because you always have new gullible faces to kind of scam. The problem is, you know, as, as you scam too many people and you get kind of older, someone new comes in with a, you know, new method, right? So where before it was like, Someone's showing a check of of themselves making a hundred thousand dollars on AdSense and using that as a tool to you know get all these people in and creating conferences with some cheesy hip hop music on it. Now you have dudes with you know pictures of Lambos and private jets and and then the next thing I don't know maybe whatever I don't know what they're gonna come up with but you know with just the the trends they change too right so. Some of these guys were like the old Macy's, right, and Sears. They just couldn't keep up with the trends. They were still, you know, doing like really corny things where this guy comes in in a suit now and a, and a Lambo behind him. And he's like, you know, I'm the new guy now, you know. And the newbies are like, yeah, like I don't want to be a cheesy guy with a chain. I want to be a Lambo guy. So, you know, that's a part of it too, you know. Like the, the gullible audience will always be there. The scammers will always be there. You know, the tricks – do not work. Um, but, yeah, we'll always see that. That's It's just a... Yeah. What a time to be alive, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it, it's crazy that, uh, you know, I, just, I find it fascinating that people don't see through all that BS, but well, I guess it is. Well, some do. No, I, some, I, do. some definitely do, but... So here's here's what happens, you know, to the ones that do see it. You know, they'll, they'll try a couple strategies, you know, whether it's the Kindle strategy, the AdSense strategy, the dropshipping strategy, the Amazon strategy, whatever it is. And they find that they got wiped out. You know, um, they wrote uh, a thousand books and that got wiped out. They created 10,000 Udemy courses that got wiped out. You know, and eventually they'll see that like, OK, you know, I know how to build a business, but I just don't know how to build a sustainable business. And. My only problem is I'm going with the strategies that always put me in a corner in the end, you know, and, and that's the moment where like a flashbulb moment happens. It's like, okay, all I need to do now is just deliver value and figure out how to market it. And if I can just do those two things, 
and don't rely on some crappy platform because most of these plays are always done on platforms. Like some new platform comes out and everyone's jumping all over it, right? And they just figure out the fundamentals of a real business. Like, you know, I have to prospect. I have to figure out how to get clients. Um, and not just from one platform. You know, I can't rely on Facebook ads or Google or anything because it's going to wipe me out. I just need to figure out how to actually find clients and then create something valuable that I can fulfill. And they're off running. And those businesses can run for 10, 15 years. But it's, you know, it's, it's, someone's got to be against the wall often multiple times to really get that through their head. You know, like, oh, man, I just did it again. I didn't realize it. You know, I did AdSense before, and now I did this, and I'm against the wall again. Um, and often you know this yourself. A lot of these easy things, you know, where you can make money, they have low uh, barriers of entry, which means everyone can do them too. And it's one way to really quickly get wiped out because everyone can do it. Yeah, very true. Couldn't agree more with that. Uh, touching on uh, books, you published 5,000 Kindle books. Yeah. Can, can you uh, speak on that experience? Yeah, sure. So when I was doing um, SEO about six, seven years ago, um, we were all part of these blog networks. It was super hot back then. It's super hot again now. So basically what happens, companies would buy up, you know, tens of thousands of websites and they would let you put blog posts on them with links back to your website. And this worked really well. And every two or three years, Google comes through and deletes all of the networks and you're pretty much stuck with, you know, no links, money out. And we had about 15 or 10 or 15 writers writing these blog posts, you know, every single day, multiple and sending them off. So, you know, I seen a strategy work well, then it didn't work. I definitely won't do the same thing twice, you know, because, you know, you, you realize like it's going to just happen again. But I had a good team and I didn't want to fire my team because they were good. So I heard about the Kindle thing and I was like, I don't know, you guys been writing blog posts for a while. Just write some kind of books, informational books, because they've been writing blog posts, you know, to niche sites. And, you know, that was like the beginning of it. And it was all informational. And I don't know, within like, uh, I don't know, three, four months, they started paying for themselves and then it started growing. Then I sat down with them. We looked over different niches and, you know, we would pump out like 150 books per month just because we had so many writers, you know, and it grew a lot. And... Yeah. And it's, you know, it grew to over 5,000 books and eventually, you know, the money just didn't work, uh, didn't come back as quickly as before. So I just, you know, started slowing it down and, and moved on to different things. But yeah, it was a, you know, fun side gig for well, sure. W were the books all like SEO and marketing focused? No, just on all types of topics, man, like business, health, whatever, you know, whatever they were writing on before and they felt comfortable with. I'm just like, just keep writing on it. You think there's still a market for the ebooks and Kindle books and all that? Uh, it was always a side play, right? So there's always more. I think, you know, it's like Udemy now. I think that's where the market is now. I have uh, someone that just created 110 courses on Udemy within a year and a half and is making a quarter million dollars right now. So it just moved, you know, it just moved into this space and some other platform will come on. You know, Kindle was really good probably three, four years ago. But Amazon started killing a lot of the income streams. Like we had like a dollar fifty before paid per rental. So imagine if you have five thousand books out and people are renting them out. Like this was crazy income just from rentals. Then they killed that, went to per page red, then more problems. Now they 
we moved to create space i remember for a while that was growing huge and then they combined create space and kindle and more problems so you know it's it, it's just a name of the game that should never be your main business yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, so you've had several business ventures, obviously. Uh, I often get asked by a lot of young people it, it, you know, whether a business is a good idea or not. Uh, how do you quickly know what is a good business idea or not? Um, you really can't. You know, like the, the, the business porn we see on TV, it's not reality. You know, in the beginning, you've got to wreck the shotgun and you've got to try a lot of different things. Uh, and then once you see something that's really working better than everything else, then you have to kill everything else off and focus, right? So it's always this cycle of trying new things and then killing off all the babies so you can keep the best one growing. You know, it's, it's, it's a constant thing. You know, you have to reinvent yourself a lot. And that's, that's just uh, the way it is. And it, it really does become a challenge, right? Because you're always looking at focus versus optionality. Right. So how do I spend my time on on focusing and really growing something? But at the same time, I don't want to, you know, run myself into a wall, you know, or a corner again in some way. So you have to look at different options because things change, you know, environment change, cycles change, economies change, the marketplace, the trends, you know, just because something's working this year doesn't mean it's going to work in two years. You know, the fundamentals will work, but some of the other things could change. A lot, you know. Maybe it's just the way you're positioning things. Maybe, maybe that's a change. Yeah, for sure. I personally, I see business like a a giant board game. You know, you're constantly making decisions to help move you ahead in the game. Obviously, sometimes you can make a bad move and you lose a few pieces. Uh, you know, but from experience, uh, what, what are a few things that lead to some of these bad business decisions? Bad business decisions. So the the first one is, I don't know if you know the bus uh, metaphor for business, but, you know, when you when you start a business, it's basically like getting onto a bus, right? And, and every year of your business could be like a bus stop. And what most people do is in about the third year, um, they start getting a little bored or too challenged with their business or it's not growing fast enough and they see someone else riding in a different bus. And that one looks like it's making more money and going faster and on a, and the grass is greener and all this stuff right and they jump off this bus to get on the better bus but they realize really quickly they're like oh shit now i'm on a new bus and then in a the third year <laughs> the same thing happens and you know they keep jumping from one thing to the next so they never grow you know they they're it's like a 30 year old business guy with 10 year, ten times three-year experience. They don't have 30 years of experience. They have 10 times, you know, three-year experience, you know, because they've always jumped and they've never actually pushed through and leaned into the resistance and all that pain. So that's the number one thing, man, just jumping ship too often. You know, you can't build anything substantial. And it's going to hurt. Building things will hurt. You know, some people have problems delegating. Some people have problems with stepping away, stepping down a bit, and really growing the company. Just, you know, there's a lot of different things which will happen. Yeah, totally agree but, with you know, that. Yeah, sorry, you know, continue. And, and, and then the focus thing, too, right? It's like I said, you know, we have all these options, but you also need to know when to focus, right? And, like, for me, having a morning and an evening routine is what changed everything, you know, because, you know, business is super uncertain, right? So we don't know what's going to happen. 
and if you're if your whole life is uncertain, like everything, your mornings, your evenings, your everything, you're gonna go insane after a while. So you gotta bring some sort of a routine, some kind of anchors to your morning, right? To your to your afternoon. Like for me, it's you know, wake up at the same time, cold shower, move a little bit, eat the same thing, go to the gym in the evenings, you know, figure out the next day, like the three things I need to do. Because if I spend my morning figuring it out, it's gone. That's when resistance comes into play, right? It'll it'll destroy your day so quick. You know, if you're just not if if you aren't ready it'll tackle you and just you know you're done for that day so these are like small things but you know if you do them consistently that's done everything for me i've you know i've been able to do so many things in my career so far all by just being super consistent with some of this and you know and i've had you know horrible missteps too like you know i messed around and didn't do anything for like six months here or three months there but you know sometimes when the business is running really well you know, you you can do that. Um, you'll pay for it later, but you can, and I and I've done that too. But overall, you know, just sticking to some kind of a routine will will help a lot. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes you know it's very easy to get comfortable when you know paychecks are coming in, business is steady. I, I totally get that. But yeah, you're right. The 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 one piece of advice that that i hear from a bunch of successful people is uh, is a topic about consistency and, and no matter what it is you're doing just be consistent and you'll start seeing compounding results so yeah i couldn't agree more with that um your your, your company's you're fully bootstrapped right Com- yeah completely bootstrapped never t- took investment you know the the one thing i do have to stress though is and and i didn't uh really do it initially in my business but you know building a network a very high level network makes a lot of difference too right because you know when i start a venture i can go to just my network and be booked for the first month right away just because they're like we know tom whatever he's doing is going to be done well and yes we'll buy it right so it's huge you know putting the effort into building your network will change a lot and and the personal brand too i haven't done this as much but i had a friend come tell me like tom you should create a personal brand as an insurance policy and it's very similar to that network effect right if you have a huge personal brand anything that you offer i mean you can create a business from scratch every week so i i would just like to kind of leave that and then have people consider that a little bit because you know at least one of those two things you should be doing either build up a huge personal brand and if that's not possible or just too much work then you really got to build your network because without those two you're always at the mercy of luck i I like what you said there like both those things are are truly like an insurance policy at the end of the day i like uh i like that example uh you you know i have so much respect uh, for bootstrappers because you know, I'm bootstrapped as well. My company's bootstrapped. I know how difficult it is. Did you find you had to grow a bit more uh, conservatively or cautiously compared to, let's say, a funded company that's burning cash? I think we grew smarter. You know, because like the the thing with me is, if I need money, I can hustle my way to get more money. Right? Like with the marketing courses business. Um, when I started focusing on it, you know, I, I went to work 
And, you know, within one or two months, I, I landed a couple fifteen to $20,000 clients fast, and we were up and running. It was just because I put in those 12-hour days and I got the work done. Um, so, you know, you cannot take away my sales experience, you know, because it's it's really difficult to bootstrap properly if you don't know how to sell. No, there's no question about that. Right. You know, because what the startup money allows you to do is to just work on things before you learn how to sell it. And this is why you see companies burning through cash and you're like, you know, wow, $2 million in funding, but no revenue. Yeah, no wonder, right? Because there's no, it's like that billionaire kid with a trust fund for his trust fund for a backup plan for a trust fund that never accomplishes anything. Why? Because they've never had, there's no pressure on them. So it's, it, I think it just makes you grow smarter and, and a little different. Like you don't waste as much because it's your money, right? Like you're not going to burn through cash. Like I've had to work to not only sell this stuff, now I have to fulfill it too. So that's double the pain. For sure. And, uh, you know, in terms of funding for bootstrappers, the only way, you know, we can fund our companies is through sales and our customers. So, yeah, totally different angle. Look, Tom, I do want to be mindful of your time. Um, I do end off each chat with what I call the top three. Some fun little questions. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Number one, your favorite business book? Uh, recently, Shoe Dog. Shoe Dog, yeah. Nice. That's uh, I bought that one. Haven't read it yet, but hear a lot of good things. Uh, number two, you're you're very well traveled. Your favorite vacation spot? I would say Krabby. Krabby. Yeah, Where, that's that? in Thailand. In Thailand? In the south. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right in the south. It's beautiful. Okay, nice. And uh, Tom, how old are you? Thirty-seven. 37. So if you can go back 17 years, what do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's that's a difficult one. Um, because I, I like the way that things turned out. But, you know, if I... Oh, man, like working out, for example, like if I had my, um, the two books, like the strength training uh, and programming was... Uh, there's like these two books, man. If I just had those back then, oh, it would have saved me a lot of, you know, years of like improper stuff. Uh, with business, you know, that 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 experience, man. If I just had that experience, that sales experience, and just uh, running so many businesses, if I had like that, just that that knowledge back then, oh my god, I would have started running so much faster and differently, you know. But you can't. You know, you really can't. You you do need to have years of experience to really make things happen. Like, you know, that's it's one of these funny questions because it's like, you know, if you knew, but trust me, people tried to tell me all this stuff and I didn't listen because it didn't happen to me, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're, you're right. Uh, knowledge is power, but in most cases, you need experience to get that knowledge. So, I mean, think about any teenager, right? You tell them, like, you should be doing this, like, whatever. You don't know anything. Like, I know. I know it all now. And then you realize, like, 10 years from now, like, you didn't know shit. <laughs> but at that moment, like, you just know. Like, you, you, like, you're running the world. Like, you think you're the number one guy. Everything revolves around you, and you're unstoppable. And that's how I was. So it's, it was impossible to tell me anything unless I was already like feeling like, yeah, that's right. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, so any last words of advice or for any startup or a founder who, who's either starting or bootstrapping their business? Uh, any parting words of wisdom? Yeah. Uh, don't be authentic. It doesn't matter. Be professional. Let me just give you one example of this because I'm seeing this authenticity you know, theme everywhere and I think it's complete nonsense. You know, if you went to a surgeon and the surgeon in the middle of your surgery became authentic and went to medica- meditate for 20 minutes, you'd be pissed, right? Because that's what, not what you're looking for when you buy something from someone or want a service. You're looking for a professional, right? So people don't buy from you because you're authentic. Authentic just means having a personality, right? So you should have that regardless. Just, you know, don't even worry about it. Be consistent. Be professional. Deliver the value. Know who you're selling to. And people will buy from you. They don't need to like you. You know, you can polarize people. Your personality should be whatever it is. But don't focus on authenticity. It's garbage. It's like the most nonsense thing I've ever heard. That's interesting. I, you know, makes a lot of sense. Definitely goes against the grain from what you hear out there today. But, um, but yeah, I love it. Uh, let's leave it at that. Tom, thank you so much uh, for joining me on the podcast. I uh, really had a, a great time speaking with you. And uh, we should definitely do it again sometime. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. All right, Tom. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, I would love to hear it. Uh, Don't forget to check out webforrealty.com and founderviews.com for more information. Talk to you later. Peace.